Hey everyone, welcome to the Film Effect Podcast. This is Ed, and yesterday, Sean and I had the opportunity to sit down with legendary actress Dee Wallace from so many films such as E.T., Ten, The Hills Have Eyes, Critters, Three from Hell, and on and on and on. She's been in over 250 roles, and now she's promoting her new book, Born, Giving Birth to a New You, which can be found on Amazon. It really was a great conversation, and we hope you like it too. So, without further ado, please enjoy our half-hour conversation with the one and only Dee Wallace. Alright, today we are joined by a very familiar face who I'm sure you'll remember from whether it's E.T., Cujo, Jimmy the Kid, The Howling, Ten, The Hills Have Eyes, The Frighteners, or more recently in roles in films like The Lords of Salem and Three from Hell. She's also got a list of television roles that will keep you occupied for weeks, including a nomination at the Daytime Emmys for Outstanding Guest Performer in a Drama Series. Today, she's agreed to join us to promote her new book, Born, Giving Birth to a New You, which is now available on Amazon. It is our genuine pleasure to welcome Dee Wallace to the Film Effect podcast today. Hi, welcome guys. To the show. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, just, Dee, growing up with movies, especially horror, you're certainly an actor who's worked on... Uh, own work I'm very familiar, very familiar with and it's because of your non-stop contributions to the horror community that I can say that I'm blessed to have you and it truly means everything that you're here today with us oh thank you guys thank you yes. So, yes. um Sean you want to start with the first question uh well yeah so uh I'm gonna I just want to get this uh out of the way first uh D you and I actually met um uh, almost 20 years ago, back in 2002, you had appeared at the Baltimore, uh, Maryland Horror Find. And we spent a good, you know, 15 minutes or so, you know, lovely conversation. And uh, I always tell the story of how my uncle came up to get you to autograph something for my six-year-old nephew. I believe it was probably, you know, an, a, a photograph from E.T. And you had a fantastic conversation with him. And you refused to accept his money when you saw that he was an EMT. He had his firefighter engine shirt on. And you just said, I'm not, I'm not taking your money. Thank you for what you do. That's for your son. It's just a great story. You we bet. Love you bet. That's what we all should do. Absolutely. So what I'd like to start with, it's no um, secret around here that I'm a tremendous Blake Edwards fan. So I just oh. want to know if you could spend a couple of minutes telling us about your experiences working with him on, uh, on 10. I know a majority of your scenes were with uh, Brian Dennehy and uh, uh, Dudley Moore, but that film gets replayed six times a year in my house. Well, I love that you brought up 10. I don't get a lot of questions about 10. And, you shame. know, it was my really first big foray into playing with the big guys. Right. And um, Blake was just, I don't know, he was kind of like a father figure. Great. For me. Uh, he knew how newbie I was. And <laughs> How vulnerable I was and he just um yeah he just really really took care of me and you know that was in the days when we were just starting to use video to watch performances right like real-time playback almost yeah and he would watch it from an adjoining soundstage that was open to ours 
And I remember, you know, I just tried to keep up with De Dudley Moore. I was sure. just, holy <laughs> hell, where's he going next? <laughs> and we finished our scene in the bedroom and there was a long pause and Blake, who of course wrote the script said, well, I don't know who the hell wrote it, but we're going to print that one. <laughs> and, Fantastic. you know, he, he took me aside at the end of the shoot and he said, D, you know, you are a, a young Lee Remick. I think you're so hmm. incredibly talented. I want to send you to my agent. Wow. So he sent me sent me over to Marty Bound and um, all the guys looked at all my film and at the end they said, you know, when you're making 500 grand a year, come back. And <laughs> I said, you know, when I'm making 500 grand a year, I won't need you anymore. Yeah, right. I can do it on my own. Yeah. <laughs> so that in a nutshell, but I loved, I adored Blake Edwards as I did Dudley. Fantastic. Thanks so much for sharing that. Like I said, I'm, I'm just a huge fan of his work and be able to have that one degree of separation now is really cool to me. <laughs> Great. Um, so I guess I want to talk about your, your new book a little bit. Uh, so naming all the films at the top, as I did, uh, it's over 40 years worth of creating new characters in the, the horror genre and all genres in general. Uh, so, with your new book, what have you learned from these experiences in relation to fear? Like, every character you've planned has been put in different conflicts, but they all have that horror element in common. So, I guess what I'm asking is, what have you learned about fear based on all of these roles? That they're not as scary as the world we live in. Okay. Great answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it's the truth. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I I have learned most of the characters I portray mm -hmm. are strong, victorious women. They go through hell to win, but they win. Right. And, um, you know, tying that into the book, I think that's a belief system that so many of us have in common is that we have to struggle to win and create what we want and mm -hmm. struggling really holds things away from you creation is a pretty easy pretty it's a pretty easy formula when you know how to do it and then the more you do it the more you see the results and then the more you relax and then the more stuff things just flow mm -hmm. i mean uh, you know, when I, my, my first big role again was 10 and, uh, I just kept holding that my, all my TV guest stars would lead to great film roles with great people whom I love to work with. Right. And I was the last girl that read for 10. Uh, Lynn Stallmaster, the casting director, happened to see me in um, my Lou Grant episode where I played a hooker. <laughs> okay. And called me in 
And before I got to my car, they had booked me. Nice. Um, Steven Spielberg called and offered me ET. Uh, Unheard of, right? Oh, wow. Business. Floodgates were open. (laughs) Well, yeah. My questions. Um, You know, so I, I think the first thing, and everybody thinks they know what they want, but they haven't really made a choice to get it. And until you really choose, it ain't going to come to you guys. The yeah. universe is going, well, pooper, get off the pot. Right? right. Yep. right. Exactly right. Um, all right. So keeping on the trend of the book and also since you brought up ET, uh, it's, it's both of those related here. So, uh, I was told that many of the lessons taken from your work and much of the teaching in the, your book are a result of what you learned on E.T. What exactly was it about that film that was such an inspiration for this idea? Well, I don't think it's by any accident that I ended up doing E.T., which is all about keep your heart open mm-hmm. and... Uh, keep your heart light on and you get back home. You get yes. back to the home of you. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, um, you know, there were a lot of also a lot of challenges uh, oh, sure. around ET mm-hmm. that um, really taught me the power of my own creation and uh, the power of holding on to my integrity and um, doing what I knew was best for me. And that's a big lesson because most of us, almost all of us have given up parts of ourselves because we were told and taught to do that at a very, very early age. Yes. Most people don't understand that how you see yourself and your self-esteem in the world is locked into your brain by eight years old. Mm-hmm. So whatever you were verbally taught and whatever you were witness to through modeling of your mom and dad or your significant caregiver, mm-hmm. um, that is, is the belief system that's in place in you. So if you keep hitting certain walls, um, I would go back to my childhood and see what messages you were given, because I guarantee you, you will find most of the answers there. Hmm. Um, I like that. Well, it's, it's very, very true. You know, when, One of the big things I was taught, uh, we were very poor. I'm from a very poor family. And uh, if I heard it once, I heard it a billion times. They're the rich people. We're the good people. God loves the the poor and the meek, right? Mm -hmm. So cut to 30 years later, and I'm starring in the biggest blockbuster of all time. And all these (laughs) offers are coming in. And I went, oh, my God. I'm one of them. (laughs) And I had to totally rewrite that belief system so that I knew no matter how much money I made, 
my consciousness was in charge of doing wonderful things with it, right? Mm -hmm. And that I could use my fame to give free pictures to people <laughs> that I honor at conventions. <laughs> right, and, right, right. You know, spread the love that right. way. So, uh, but we are, we are so, so ingrained in this struggle thing in this, oh my God, don't you dare uh, talk about how powerful you are. Well, you know, we're made in the image and likeness of whatever you call it, the greatest creative force on earth. And I don't think that they're wishy-washy. <laughs> right. You know, mm -hmm. that's a powerful force. That, yes. that made the world. So uh, so I think we should live live up to our name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, Say, you mentioned after ET, you got all these offers and, and such. Um, one thing I noticed after ET, you kind of returned to the horror genre with Cujo. Was it because it, there was, was it something about horror that you missed or was it just a no, good offer? No, it was because... It was because who in their right mind would turn down that role? I mean, true. You, you couldn't ask for a more tour de force female persona on screen. Oh, absolutely. Donna yeah. Cujo. Uh, absolutely. The hardest thing I ever did, and it's my favorite movie. I'm so proud of my work in that film. And... Uh, you know, I love, I have a huge emotional life. I'm really good at accessing it. And I love to play emotional arcs. And horror films are just the genre that offer you the opportunity and the capability to right. do that more. Right. So I didn't go looking for horror, but when horror found me, I went, oh, I kind of like <laughs> using all these different parts of myself. Oh, I have a part of me that knows what it's like to be a killer. Ooh, that's <laughs> pretty rad, right? Not that I'd ever do it in my life. Right, but right. To be able to play around with that part of you, which all of us, you know, we've all lived so many lifetimes. We all know we've all been everything. Yeah. Why not play there? Yeah. Exactly. I can imagine it, it's it's a little cathartic too, getting to exercise that you know out from the inside, if you will. Well, it's cathartic. It's also absolutely exhausting. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so one of your first roles was in The Hills Have Eyes from Wes Craven. Yep. Do you have any memories of Wes at all? I don't think you two did any more films together after that movie. Oh, I, I was... have very fond memories of Wes. Um, okay. No, I've never had the pleasure of working with Wes again. Um, that was a tough shoot, guys. Uh, I've, I've heard the stories. I actually have the... The, the Arrow 4K that just came out and I watched the documentary and heard all the stories from uh, you and Susan Lanier and whatnot who we're actually talking to next week about The Hills Have Eyes. So, oh, um, tell her hi for me. I, I definitely will. Will, will. 
Uh, so well, I, I, know, I definitely wanted to get these com- these two questions in about Hills Have Eyes while I had you. So We all uh, stayed in one trailer and the bathroom broke. <laughs> uh, fr- <laughs> died of the heat during the day. Froze to death at night because we were in the desert. Right. Um, I finally, uh, my husband said, honey, <laughs> you can't make this drive because... It was literally something like within three miles of the maximum distance you could go per sag. Mm. And we were working such incredible hours um, that I finally just stayed in a Motel 6 and used a lot of my salary. Because, <laughs> you know, we were all at the beginning of our careers. It's like, right, holy right. hell, sure, I'll do anything. It's <laughs> a hard part in the movie. Right, I mean, that's that film always to me comes off like you know just late 70s guerrilla filmmaking executed with a passion that is the best summation i've ever heard of it (laughs) well thank you thank you it's so true i i stayed a lot in my car (laughs) (laughs) and um but all the cast was wonderful we all got along great you know it really was let's put on a show and Uh um uh, everybody just gave it their best because, you know, like I said, for most of us, it was our first big break. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question that I actually plan to ask uh, Susan as well. And it's, it's in regard to this movie, of course. So what do you think Wes's meaning was behind this story? Like to me, it's a tale of two very different families, although I don't think he was trying to compare classes. I feel Wes was, he really drove that message home when writing for the Carters because they're such a big family with a heart of gold and a bond that's damn near impossible to break. Like we see it all, we see it <clears throat> with the way all three generations of this family interact. You know, even for, uh, for when they take the detour to when they get left stranded in the desert. It's not necessarily something you you see in horror too much. I don't know. Do do, do you, is there something you want to add to that, or do you think that well, West was going? Well, yeah. If you look at it, the family is the innocent blonde. Mm-hmm. Okay. The family is the innocent blonde in jeopardy, and uh, you know you have to have an innocent that you say don't go out there don't don't open <laughs> right, of the door course. To, right <laughs> yep. and yep. in this case it was represented by the entire family yeah very good it's a good way of putting it um are you familiar with the remake i'm not okay i'll leave it at that sean <laughs> sean anything you want to I've got some more questions, Sean, but I'm, I'm sure you want to ask some, Sean. Um, I, I mean, Ed, you've pretty much, you know, hit all the bases, I guess. Um, I would like to, I'm curious, you, you said out of your entire revoir, you said Cujo is probably your favorite experience or role? I mean, do you oh, have not a, experience. Definitely not experience. Well, I, mean, I can imagine <laughs> it, be, it was... I can imagine sitting in that car for hours and hours on end would be grueling. Brutal. It was brutal. (laughs) The amount of emotional and physical work that it took to do that part. But it's my favorite movie. I feel like I went as far as I could go as an actress, as truthfully as I could go there. I mean, you there's you definitely display you know a ton of range, you know, from opening to closing credits. I mean. 
your characters, you know, there's a. And it's uh, because of Cujo. And it's because of Cujo that you're uh, technically a part of the new Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Hey, spoiler <laughs> alert, Ed. Neither have I. I wasn't going to say why. I'm just saying well, Cujo. I, look, I think if you blink your eyes, you miss it. You know? <laughs> uh, but I was really happy to get the check for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome Fantastic. Um, my all time favorite werewolf movie is hands down 81's The Howling I, yes, I think this, the story is so creative and the makeup still holds up today is you there bet. anything at all about The Howling you can share with us Anything? oh my god do you have three days <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> you know I Christopher ended up, you know, we ended up being married until he passed away. Mm -hmm. And everybody thinks I got him hired on the howling. Well, I didn't. Uh, But Dan Blatt, our producer, called and said, D, you know, we've got a great cast lined up around you. We just uh, can't find somebody really to play your husband. I said, well, what are you looking for? Well, some... Somebody who's really virile, but with a, a really vulnerable side. And I went, holy hell, that's Chris. I'm living. But in the same second, I thought, don't you dare say that, D. They'll never hire him. Right. So I said, you know, Dan, I worked with this guy on chips, Christopher Smith or Stone or something, <laughs> some S word. So they went out and found him. And they... Uh, brought him in and mm-hmm. he got he got it and the next day Dan the phone rang and it was Dan and I picked it up I went hi Dan he went oh <laughs> I'm I'm sorry you know that guy that you suggested we really liked him and we hired him and I was <laughs> calling to talk to him I must have called the wrong number I said no nope. You called the right number, and there was a long pause, and he goes, oh, shit. <laughs> you put it together. That's great. That's great. But, and you guys have worked together several times. He was he was in, um, uh, I believe, Cujo with you, too? Yeah, he, yeah. Well, Dan produced both of them. And mm. when Dan sent me the script for Cujo, I said, oh, my God, Dan, I have to do this part. But, you know... I don't do nudity, you know, I'm concerned about this love scene. And he said, well, we want to hire Christopher to, to play the lover. <laughs> and I went, good, but I still don't do nudity. <laughs> he started laughing. He said, we'll work it out, D. we'll work it out. So I've got to tell you, doing a love scene in front of a crew that you love Right. With the man that you love <laughs> right. is is just so awkward I can't it's like your mother is sitting at the bottom of your bed when you're really screwing. Mm. So <laughs> so Christopher says, Don't worry, honey, I'm gonna be there for you. I I you know, I, I'm gonna be there for you. You you just will just make love underneath your dress and nobody'll know it. So we get to the day and we're getting all set up and I'm climbed on top of him and they put my skirt out around me and I look down at him and I I go, honey? And he's like, <laughs> he says, 
I got nothing, babe. I got nothing. I'm so worried about how they're going to shoot you and if everything's going to be all right. I got nothing. You're just going to have to act. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I think I... I broke down in laughter, and of course, none of the crew knew what the hell was going on. Right. But, mm. uh, you know, it, it's weird because when you do a love scene with somebody you know, you go, well, we can't do it like we really do it. Right. How do we do it? How do we <laughs> act it? It's just, it becomes really awkward. Mm. Wow. A um, more information than you needed, huh? <laughs> no, that was great. No, that, was awesome. that was fantastic. Perfect answer. No, it makes uh, perfect sense. See, do you have any stories from Peter Jackson's The Frighteners? I can't even begin to tell you how underrated that movie is. Oh, oh yes. So underrated. I have a million Such a great stories. Film. You know, Christopher passed away. Uh, he had a heart attack, and they flew me back to be with him. It mm-hmm. appeared that he was fine. The doctor said, yeah, he's fine. He's out of the woods. So I flew back to finish the movie. Four days later, he died from a Mm. blood clot, flew back, did his service, grabbed my kid and my nanny and flew back again. It was like back and forth across half the world in about half weeks. I didn't know if I was coming or going. Wow. And at the end, I went in to settle up. They said, just don't worry about it. Just settle up at the end. And I went in to settle it up. And the bookkeeper said, no, uh, this is Peter's gift to you. He's he's going to absorb all this. Mm. Oh, that's that's, that's yeah, that's that an is. insight into who Peter Jackson really wow. was. But so it was a joy to work on the this, this set. Um, much different than working in America. Uh, Everybody down to the best boy, if they have a problem, mm-hmm. uh, they sit with you at the table if you're a producer and you work it out. Everybody, if somebody has a partner who's expecting a child, they're automatically given two weeks off to be with them. Nice. Much. The hours are much more humane. Yeah, mm. uh, I would. I would like to see us adapt more of that here in the states for real yeah, i mean absolutely. i i really worry about a lot of the crews that i work with you know that's not good they become your family well right, sure right and i may come in at 6 a.m that means they come in at 4 a.m mm. i may leave at 7 p.m that means a lot of them don't get out of there till nine you know it's right it's tough hours Mm. all right well don't want to keep you um just wanted to one more time uh mention your book it's called born giving birth to a new you which you can find on amazon yeah i'm, w- I'm really asking all my horror fans to come yes. forward and support me in this and i guarantee you if you do and it's a real easy read guys real it's like a primer like a formula (laughs) right 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 you apply what i give you in this book your life will change exponentially looking forward to it i believe it looking forward to it myself uh other than the book do you you have any uh films coming up you want to 
talk oh, about. Oh, I do. I've got. I'm sure you've got um, a whole list of films. <laughs> uh, Every time a bell rings is on right now on Hallmark. Beautiful little Christmas movie. Um, I'm coming out in the new Jeepers Creepers. Oh, you are in the new Jeepers Creepers. I am. Uh, oh. I just finished a great sci-fi movie called Homestead. Okay. Um, and there's another one that I can't remember. <laughs> um, any any chance you'll get a call from Rob Zombie for an appearance in his upcoming Monsters remake? I mean, you oh, seem to be folded into his stable of actors at this point. I, so. uh, I, I'm pretty sure they're well into the shooting of that. That's from what I gathered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm starting to see set images. No, of I, I, I guess, it might be wrapped. I guess there's a there's not a role in it for me, but I'm sure Rob will. I hope will uh, have me back. I adore the man, and I adore working with him. And I I'm a huge fan. Very, huge fan. He's he's a genius, and he's just a great guy. Seems like right here. That's right here. All right. Well, thank you one more time, Dean. Yes, for Dean. Doing thanks this. so much. Oh, it, thank it you, means... guys. Happy happy holidays. To you Same to you, birthday. and happy Same. birthday. Oh, thank yeah. you, honey. You're Don't very tell welcome. Tell how old I am now. <laughs> no, no, no. I just know that it's coming <laughs> up in a week. I didn't no, oh, know. Like, like everybody can't Google it, right? <laughs> right, right. right. Uh, happy holidays, guys. All right, take you care, too. Dave. Have a good one. Be safe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.